With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Lewis Hamilton has taken victory at the first ever F1 race in Qatar with a dominant performance from start to finish. Having started P6, Max Verstappen came home second, and the title rivals were joined on the podium by Fernando Alonso, who bagged himself his first podium since 2014. I'm joined today by Luke Smith, Autosports F1 reporter, and Stuart Codling, GP's executive, GP Racing's executive editor. Codders, it's been a long time since we had you on the pod. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. I think it's. I was very lucky that I was. I've been off report duty in favour of Ben Anderson for a couple of rounds, and and I think our producer kindly thought that for the races that uh, happen quite late in the European time zone he'd, he'd avoid me having my hands cut off by Mrs Codling and uh, so he'd, he'd, he'd let me have the night off so it's, it's been a while it has it has but we're very glad to have you back and Luke obviously as always it's a pleasure to have you joining us how are you yeah very well thank you yeah it's been nice to be back in the paddock again in, in Qatar this weekend it's my first race since Turkey and only the second one I've done on site this season so yeah it's been good to uh see old friends and familiar faces and uh yeah sort of uh get to the bottom of a few more uh sort of stories and things like that so it's uh yeah d- doing well thank you uh eager to get home I mean I think as you I'm sure you feel the same Ariana I've sort a long weekend of of work away but um yeah it's been it's been a good good weekend for f1 at least it's hot where you are i mean i'm presuming it is very true very true i've had to wear sun cream for the first time god i can't remember since since the summer i would assume so it's uh yeah i I look forward to getting home tomorrow and being the envy of my housemate with my new tan 
<laughs> yeah, it is very warm out here today, especially. Uh, I feel like it was the hottest day since we've been out here. It was scorching mm. when I got into the circuit um, around lunchtime. Um, let's get into today's action. Let's start with our winner of the race, Lewis Hamilton, dominant from start to finish today. Um, I mean, didn't really look under pressure at all in that Mercedes. What did you make of his performance, Codders? Uh, very impressive. Obviously, he was assisted by Max Verstappen having a grid penalty. I'm, I'm sure we'll be coming back to the circumstances of, of, of that later and, and also his team principal's uh, polarising response to it. But um, yeah, Lewis had to do without his wingman because um, Valtteri Bottas also had a grid penalty and then had an absolute stinker of a start. Uh, uh, you, you could be churlish and say all he had to do was get to the first corner first, but yes, he did that. And he then extended his lead and just just a great champion's drive you know obviously Max Verstappen was on the back foot from the start but Lewis controlled that race throughout had had a very good drive and as he said afterwards I'm, I'm going to have to watch this race again so I can actually see what happened behind me because it was all a little bit <laughs> bizarre and inexplicable but yeah also great for the championship because it means it's pushing us towards a, a proper denouement in Abu Dhabi and I'm sure the Abu Dhabi promoters will be pleased that their race will actually be a cliffhanger for the first time in what feels like a long time. Yes, Luke, what did you make of the performance of Lewis and the car today? Because, I mean, that car has just really made some huge steps forward in the last couple of races and it is showing. Yeah, definitely. I think when we were looking at the championship outlook post-Austin, it didn't look good for Mercedes because we were going to Mexico, which we knew would be a Red Bull track. And um, then we were going to Interlagos. And again, that was sort of meant to favor Red Bull and then Qatar. Although we'd never been here before, the expectation was that, okay, well, yeah, it's going to be hard to overtake. Need a pretty high downfall setup. Therefore, it's going to again play to Red Bull's strengths and they're going to be the team to beat. But what we've actually seen is, yeah, obviously Mexico went, went as expected, but Brazil, Mercedes turned up and were just, again, they made that big step forward, as you say. And again, th throughout this weekend, it just seemed that Mercedes just had something in their pocket that Red Bull simply didn't. And I mean, for Lewis Hamilton to put it on pole by four tenths of a second, I mean, that's, that's a considerable margin. Like it wasn't, it wasn't really close. Like he, he had that very comfortably. And then in the race, yeah, I mean, okay, Verstappen had his penalty, but at no point did he ever look like, uh, he was going to it's like even when he managed to fairly quickly in fairness clear uh, Fernando Alonso and Pierre Gasly after his pretty good start so he was running second and I think the gap was around the four second or so mark but then Lewis was just able to eke it out and eke it out and eke it out and I think that it just it just shows sort of where Mercedes are right at, are at right now they've got all the momentum with them Lewis is performing on such a high level and Toto Wolff said after the race that although okay it's not gone brilliantly in terms of yeah you look at the defeats in austin and mexico how mercedes performed in turkey when bottas took such a dominant win he said that always gave him confidence that they would be able to fight back at some point and still win these championships and i think we've seen over the past two weekends that yeah mercedes aren't out of this they've turned the tide around and as Connor said we are shaping up for hopefully a title showdown potentially a winner takes all even possibly tied on points going into the finale finale which would just be incredible so yeah i think uh and a really impressive drive again from lewis today uh, just in a league of his own 
He really, really was in a league of his own. And um, I mean, they said on the commentary, it was like he and Max were in, you know, a different championship in comparison to the other drivers because they were just so, so far behind. But you touched on there the fact that Mercedes have been able to swing things, it seems, and the momentum is really behind them. Codders, how do you feel they will fare looking forward to Saudi with that car? Putting aside Valtteri's performance today, because of course we know that the car was good, Valtteri just had an absolutely uh, painful race, which we'll get into later. But do you think the car is going to do well for them in Saudi as well? And this will be a case where Mercedes are really fighting back and Red Bull are are trying to catch up. Mercedes do seem to be in the ascendant at the moment. And Toto Wolff seemed quite confident after the race in his media appearances. He did, didn't he? He seemed very chirpy. He was even able to joke as well, which I I think he was probably... You know, he he knew that you know Chris, Christian Horner. He they've been having handbags uh, for for what what seems like all year, and I, it was a bit of cheeky opportunism, I think, on Toto's part because he he will have known that Christian had been summoned to the stewards to um, account for his mouth, and um, so you know, great great opportunity to pop a little bit of pressure, you know, roll a grenade under the door. And, and and he duly did. He talked about putting their spicy engine in. He basically served some of Christian's um, weirder conspiracy theories back up to him on a plate, a little bit like, you know, occasionally as, as, as a as staff for two cats, I'm occasionally called upon to clear up regurgitations from the carpet. Usually I stick them in the bin. This this is the equivalent of, of Toto um, scooping up some of Christian's regurgitations and, and serving them up on a silver platter to him, which was quite pleasing. I, I loved the talk of the spicy engine being put in the back of the, of the Mercedes for for Saudi Arabia. I mean, actually, none of us really know how it's going to work out. And I thought one of the the fascinating things about this race was it didn't pan out how we expected it. I thought it was going to be uh, a one-stop race with a three, at least minimum of three cups of tea set up of no overtaking and processional throughout. And actually, no, it wasn't. And it, it surprised a lot of the participants. And coming to another new circuit in a couple of weeks' time, I, th- I think we'll see even more of that. You know, they can simulate the hell out of it, but it doesn't actually pan out like that in real life. So actually, that's really exciting. Well, first, First of all, thank you for that way too graphic uh, image of cats. Beautiful. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, but thank you. (laughs) Um, I've just realised that we didn't start with race ratings. I was so excited by having Codders with us that I didn't kick it off the way we meant to. (laughs) So we're going to pause before we continue and discuss the rest of this race and Red Bull and Valtteri, etc. And we're going to do race ratings quickly. Um, So first and foremost, Codders, race rating out of 10 for the race. Oh, Boom! I, I don't know. I I think ooh, seven or an eight, maybe. No, I'm going to go seven because I think we've seen better. That the the bar's pretty high this year. Luke's face. Uh, and, and <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was quite high. Yeah, but... maybe. I, uh, do you know? I I think maybe there was a bit of peak end effect for me. I I thought there was, there's may, maybe the off track soap opera has got me a little bit too energized because yeah, I did have to nip out and make myself a very large cup of tea at one point. But um, a, apart from the mid the mid-race lull, there was plenty of stuff going on. And, you know, there, granted, there was a point where my, my barometer of a race starting to lose my attention is when I'm looking down the timing screen to see how much slower Nikita Mazepin is than everybody else. And, uh, you know, when I see it's like about three or four seconds a lap, I go, OK, well, it, the, the race is starting to become a bit torpid now. But I only briefly did that 
mid-race and then I sort of knocked back up. There, there was a lot of stuff going on in it, I felt. Um, admittedly, there was only a one or, well, it wasn't even a two-horse race at the front, was it? It was always going to be Lewis's race. <laughs> but the battle for third was fascinating. So, all right, maybe I'll downgrade it to a six. No, I'm going to stick at seven. Yeah, don't feel pressured. Don't feel pressured. You stand by your rating of seven, Luke. Yeah, I was sort of thought more more thinking like a six or a six point five. I think. I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think there was, there was a lot going for it. And I think that that fight for third was really really interesting. It's a shame that, as I know, we'll get onto um, that there were the punctures and that. Yeah, because I, I think it could have been really. I think there was a point where it was like okay, it could be like Alonso Perez. Bottas and Norris all going for that sort of P3 and all in that fight. Um, but obviously that wasn't, wasn't the case in the end. So, uh, yeah, I think that, I think there was sort of, there were lots of bits going on. I think that, yeah, it was, I think some of the overtaking moves and sort of the app around the outside, it was, uh, into turn one was quite interesting, but it was only kind of turn one. That was the only thing. Like it wasn't like it was going off everywhere. It was sort of everyone was sort of doing a similar moves into turn one with the help of DRS. So, uh, yeah, I'd say a 6.5, I think. Yeah. It's not a great circuit, okay. is it? It's not one we'll celebrate going back. No. To, which we don't have to hopefully so i did two track runs on thursday and friday and um, my garmin watch picks up um like obviously pace and things like that but also the uh, elevation change and the elevation change across the whole layout was two meters <laughs> so you're set of pb for around about five kilometers then surely uh no because i've fallen off the wagon with running recently unfortunately so but never mind no, no, well yeah and if we were to come back it'd probably be a perfect pb uh, circuit but alas I think that uh, this race, or the reason I I did enjoy it was because, as you said, Codders, we were expecting no overtaking, you know, processional, but actually, you know, we did get some good overtakes in there and there was some drama, although, of course, the drama coming from punctures isn't necessarily what we want to see. We will get onto that very, very shortly. But I just want to wrap up the Mercedes chat. Let's talk about Valtteri because his day was pretty rough um he had poor start he started with the grid penalty uh then he managed to have a poor start as well which dropped him further down the pack and it all kind of just unraveled from there luke can you talk us through battery's day please yeah it was a bad one and, and Toso Wolf said after the race that it was kind of one of those days where if anything could go wrong for Valtteri it did go wrong for Valtteri and he said that off the line he really struggled for grip and that, that that's why he dropped uh, uh, as far back as he did uh, obviously sit, sitting as, as low as 11th and uh, yeah he'd had that that penalty for the for the yellow flag infringement yesterday in qualifying uh, but then yeah his, his pace was pretty good like he started I think he was quite slow to begin with in terms of picking off cars but then he did sort of get into a good groove and I think that yeah they were looking at doing a pretty pretty long first stint and um yeah look, hoping that they could sort of get in that fight for p3 and i think that it was looking pretty good at one point i think that the the pace that he had even compared to perez who had uh, pitted much earlier uh it was it was working well for valtteri like it wasn't being like massively caught by perez so i think that with the tire delta he would have picked up uh it would have it would have put him in a really good position but yeah then he had the puncture which hit uh very early on in, in the lap so that meant he has to go around the whole lap basically before getting into the pits Obviously, that that ruined a lot. Um, I thought it was a quite interesting um, sort of back to the future moment where we had all the sparks going, and Alonso was uh, coming up behind him, and it's going right into his uh, into into his visor and over the halo. Um, but yeah, and in the end, uh, yeah, Bottas got in, and they put a new set of tires on. But they said there was so much damage, and he was losing so much downforce that there was no point sort of continuing. So uh, yeah, a difficult one because I think after practice, it was looking pretty good for Bottas, and I was kind of thinking this might be one of those weekends like Turkey where he kind of just like 
has an absolute 10 out of 10 weekend is unbeatable um and yeah but in the end it was it was nothing like that at all and uh obviously not great for mercedes in the constructors championship given uh red bull got two cars in the top four as well so that gap uh, at the top i think is down to five or six points now so it's uh yeah not not a not a brilliant day for bossas i think that he, he's yeah i think he's pretty uh pretty sort of circumspect about things and is very much like just going to brush it off and yeah except that's how it is but uh yeah i mean the start obviously didn't help things but yeah he was in a good spot and i do think he would have finished third had it not been for the puncture that hit do you think he authored his own misfortune a little bit for you know just just looking at the onboards of the start he got a load of wheel spin changed up into second carried on wheel spinning and, you know, ah. very easy to be an armchair expert at this point and go, well, you know, I'd have lifted off. I'd have fell yeah. the throttle a little bit there. But, um, you know, he was getting a lot of wheel spin in, in, in the first two phases of, of acceleration. And that's why, what was it, Sonoda and... Um, I can't see because of the terrible paper in my new um, notebook, but um, de- definitely Sunoda got past him and, and another car, Stroll, managed to get past him round turns two or three, if, if memory serves. But um, yeah, it um, just just wasn't great, was it? And Codders, what do you think this uh, means for that constructors battle? Because as Luke just touched on, for Red Bull, they managed to actually really do some great damage limitation, considering that Checo also started so far down the order and Max had that penalty, but both cars in the top four. Meanwhile, Mercedes, one car retiring. It's a cliche to say you've got to be in it to win it, but they both teams do need um, both drivers scoring and highly and... I, I think what we saw here was 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 luck moving in different directions. Obviously, Bottas was very very unlucky. Perez, you could argue, was was fairly lucky because he he gained from um, Norris having to make an extra pit stop as well. So um, he 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 could have done better. He was also a little bit unlucky in terms of the VSC. Without that, he would probably have passed Alonso wouldn't he because he was eight seconds behind when the VSC came in uh sorry was, was activated rather and then he managed to take five seconds out of Alonso I think on that final lap so he would he would definitely have been on for a podium but for that oh I'm gonna have to wrap my head in tinfoil now along with uh, lots of people on the internet who will uh, definitely have an opinion on that we have touched on the punctures there with Valtteri, but Luke, can you just expand on what we witnessed today? Because it was puncture after puncture, um, and really it seemed like they were just coming from from nowhere when Toto um, has spoken afterwards, and I also spoke to Mario Isola after the race as well, and he said the same. There was no indication that this would be happening, um, and it really just caught the teams out, didn't it? It did, yeah. And all four drivers, they came to the Rissen media pen after the race and all of them said that they had no warning. It just happened. Lando Norris is probably the most outspoken of them. He said it was dangerous. He said that they just need to build a better tyre, which was which was quite punchy. Um, and George Russell, he, he explained it quite well. He said there was no warning. He said, but apparently like Williams had looked at it before the race and gone, okay, that sort of that the the sidewall on the front left tire was getting they they said that's going to be really put through the ringer and Russell explained that basically his plan was to sort of like take it quite gentle not gentle but to sort of manage that as he was going through obviously these long sweeping high speed corners you've got at the track but he said the fact that Williams were in such close battle uh, with the Alfa Romeos I believe uh, it meant that he couldn't really let up they had to push and push and push and he said basically if Williams had been quicker and a step ahead he could have managed more and then probably not had such an issue but the fact he had to push so much meant that yeah it just sort of 
created that issue. So, so it was him, Norris, Bottas, and Nicholas Latifi who also got hit. All four of them said, yep, there was absolutely no warning at all. Um, and it wasn't a case of, sort of running over a curb or anything like that. Uh, Michael Massey, he said after the race that, uh, yeah, the curb's absolutely not to blame. So it's, uh, yeah, it's something that Pirelli obviously will sort of go away and look into and investigate it as to be expected. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a track that there was more grip than the drivers were expecting. And it's also the fact that uh, Nicholas Stipe explained this really well. It's not like Silverstone, as we saw the failures a couple of uh, uh, failures last year, sorry, where you kind of have okay these long, like very punishing corners on the tires, and then there's a straight, so they can kind of cool off a little bit, and it's sort of like it chills everything out a little bit, let's say. Um, whereas at Qatar, it basically just it keeps going and going and going. I mean, that final sector, absolutely fantastic, like really cool to watch the onboards, particularly in qualifying. But for the tyres, there's no let-up. So it is really, really punishing. Um, yeah, so it's something for Pirelli to go away and look at. But yeah, I think obviously Bottas, a big loser from it. Lando Norris as well. I mean, he was looking good for a top five finish, which for McLaren in this fight with Ferrari would have been really, really good. And in the end, it was it was taken away from him. I think it was missed on the broadcast as well, because afterwards, a few people sort of said, oh, what happened to Norris? Like, was it a two-stop? Why'd he come in? But it was, no, he said, my tyre blew. Like, I had to come in and make that change. So uh, yeah, obviously disappointing for all of those drivers. And uh, it's something that, yeah, we don't see very often in Formula One. But I think that obviously Pirelli pre-race said we're expecting a two-stop pretty much across the board. And I think in the end, lots of the teams were quite surprised by how little degradation there was, which made them think, oh, we could probably one-stop this, which is what they went for. Uh, and then ultimately, yeah, it did result in in these failures because the the one-stop while it did work for some, for those who sort of engaged in that real close battle like right the way through and couldn't manage their tyres as well, uh, yeah, it meant that they, it just became too much by the end and resulted in those front left punctures. Yeah, I mean, the very interesting thing, uh, well, one of the many interesting things that came out of contrite Christian Horner's uh, press conference was he said that they were aiming to do a one-stop um with Verstappen and lots of people went for one stops and actually if if you look the the elephant in the room of this race it really is is one stop was the way to go apart from the the front two obviously made made two stops you got Alonso doing one stop admittedly being assisted by that further down the field um you got Ocon Stroll Sainz Leclerc filling out the top 10 all one stoppers and you know you, you have to look very very far in the rear view mirror to find Pierre Gasly who was right up there oh, he started on the front row of the grid um and went for a two stop and you know, literally it just did not work so it it really is a question of of fine margins between the the one stop and the two stop i, I would just add on that with Gasly though it wasn't down to speaking to him after the race it wasn't down to the two stop that uh, that caused the issues he said basically and he said he doesn't know what happened and he said that the car just felt like it had no grip whatsoever was so hard to drive obviously after qualifying yesterday when he had his um his run over the curbs and, and the crash that obviously resulted in the yellow flags that i know we'll get onto um but uh, he said like he doesn't know if sort of the parts replaced under park for me if, if those changes made the car so difficult that he said like he just felt like he had no grip he couldn't fight went from p2 to a lap down and he kind of like when he came over to talk to me like he just looked like completely desolate and i was just like oh i thought i don't want to like 
sort of rub salt in the wound here or sort of make you feel bad. But I was just like, yeah, you went from front row of the grid to, uh, yeah, out of the points. Like, it's not, it's not a great day, really, is it? And it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it was tough on him. Um, but yeah, he, he was basically, he said, look, I could have stopped five times and taken a set of softs every single time and I still would have had no grip. Like, I still couldn't have driven that car. Um, Yuki Tsunoda as well, like, he, he also said, like, there was just something fundamentally not right today that caused that drop back. So, uh, so yeah, so yeah, I know I do agree that, yeah, the one stop was the way to go. Um, but with uh, Gasly in particular, I think that um, there was more to it than the, the two-stop strategy that explained his quite dramatic fall down the order. It was such a shame to see uh, that fall down the order for him because there was so much potential starting P2. Uh, you know, as we always say, when those top runners are out of position, it really does open up opportunities for those two you know, seize and capitalize. And I think lots of people were expecting that from Pierre today. And even Yuki, who managed to have a pretty solid weekend um, and get himself up there. But they really did just tumble down the order and it, it was disappointing to see. Um, and, and strange that, you know, things just turned around and they're not, they're not entirely sure why. Let's go on to Red Bull and let's touch on those yellow flags because, of course, that, you know, there was drama before the cars were even on track today because we were all eagerly awaiting the outcome of the stewards investigation of Max Verstappen, Valtteri Bottas and Carlos Sainz. In the end, it was only Max and Valtteri that ended up getting the grid penalties, Max getting a five place one and Valtteri getting three. Um, Codders, can you talk us through what went on with that in terms of why Max got the five, for anyone that may not, may not be clear, and also why Carlos got nothing? Well, it wasn't. It uh, th- there's a mystery hanging over this in that Max was um, pulled up for ignoring double waved yellows, and the other two were pulled up for allegedly ignoring single waved yellows. Uh, and there's confusion over which which flags were being waved where and when. So with Science, he was let off the hook because essentially he found himself on the on the start finish straight and he he saw he didn't see the flags or he didn't see flags but he saw Gasly's car by the side of the road and thought ah there must be a yellow flag so he slowed down so that that was why he uh <laughs> Got, got got away with incredible perception isn't yeah, it honestly yeah yeah so fair enough and and we, we we saw that on the road towards the end of qualifying there were some drivers who slowed down other ones who didn't um bottas um you know it was a sort of a fair enough job with max verstappen this is an incredibly long and and convoluted um uh, finding which I've got here, I've I've got it on my computer here. Doc forty two, and it's it's going to take twenty years for it to open because it's so long. Um, but basically, yeah, they they deleted his the the lap time which was set under the double yellow flags and dropped him uh, five grid positions and put two penalty points on him. And basically, Red Bull said, well, actually, there was. There is no display on the dash panel. Uh, there is no warning lights. There is no audio signal for the driver. And as has been shown on on the the, the many times people have screen grabbed this and shared it on social media, there is an incident instance where there is a, a yellow flag, a yellow board on one side of the track and a green board on the other. Um, there's there is a little bit of toing and froing in terms of the timing of when the uh, 
yellow flag was turned off on the signalling panel and things like that. I think basically the FIA got a little bit hot under the collar with the the way Red Bull were fighting this. And so they started throwing various other subtexts and, and articles from the sporting regulations, principle of which is the driver must drive the car alone and, and unaided. So he should be looking for yellow flags and not waiting for audio signals or lights to appear on the dashboard. And I'm wondering if this is a little bit of payback from uh, Mexico the other year where Max said, well, you know, I don't really, I'm not really interested in yellow flags. I don't care. Um, so this this was why the, the 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 book was thrown at him. They also say they also said, look, Carlos Sainz saw the car by the side of the road and slowed down. You could have done that as well, but you didn't. Thank you, Carlos. There we have it. Um, Luke, what did you make of his drive to get back up to P two though? Yeah, very good. I thought. I mean, his start was fantastic, and I think that he was helped a little bit at the start by the fight between Norris and Sainz that kind of. Parted a parted a sort of bit of track for him basically. It meant that yeah, Norris was sort of focusing on science on the outside. Max was able to sneak up the inside. He also got a, got a pretty good run on um, Alonso as well, and then Alonso sort of moved across and and Max backed out. And um, yeah, I, I noted like wow, Alonso is one of the few people who's like made Max back out of the move this year. Like, that's pretty pretty impressive. So it, um, no, it was it was a very good drive, and I think that it's damage limitation. And you've got to think that even if Max had started P two realistically would he have beaten Lewis today very, that's a very hypothetical question but I think Mercedes looked in such a good group I think it would be very hard to argue that yeah he would have been any higher than P2 so to come away with yeah second place and a point in the bag is very good um yeah Horner obviously with his uh rant about the marshalling and how damaging it was for the championship and everything like that please can blah, you expand blah, blah. on that because that's the point I was going to get to next about why Christian- could I actually I, I would actually like to pass that to Codders, if that's okay, because I think Codders has spoken to Christian post session and heard his. Uh, was there an apology in there? I believe Codders. <laughs> well, do you know when when the video came on, he he sort of um, was sitting there with with his with his head in his hands, and he looked like um, was it PG Woodhouse's description of one of the characters in his books as um, looking like a man who had gone seeking the the leak in life's gas pipe with a lighted candle. Um, it obviously <laughs> he'd he'd come back from his wrist slap. Uh, to, to be fair, he got away lightly. Um, he basically was given a caution, whereas I think a couple of years ago, Gunter Stein was was fined real money uh for slagging off the stewards um and there even so there was an interesting i'll use the modern phrase a disconnect between what had been said in the fia finding and the language coming out of him afterwards he was already starting to backpedal the stewards finding um said that uh they accepted that the competitor felt that you know they'd spoken in the heat of the moment under championship pressure. <laughs> During his press conference, someone, uh, one of our colleagues said, are, are you feeling under pressure? Are you making these sort of comments because you're under pressure? You go, no, we're not under pressure. Said, oh, Christian, you're going to look back at this and not feel very clever, are you? Uh, and uh, he, he's, he's also... He's apparently he's agreed to participate in the 2022 FIA International Stewards Program in February. And so when asked about it, he said, "Well, I wasn't in the meeting when they asked me to do that." So, um, uh, <laughs> and that also contradicts something Massey said as well. Massey was like, "Oh, Christian volunteered to do it." So just just ridiculous. So so let, let let's just look at this. Um, I think the problem here 
there are several problems. The first is that for a long time now, the circumstances of the pandemic have enabled Christian Horner to basically act as a free agent. He very often, especially when in what people on the internet would call butthurt mode after a poor result, uh, will cancel his open press engagements and just basically says what he likes into the microphones of one of the broadcasts, usually Sky. Um, and basically, these are soft interviews. He's not challenged, so he's able to say what he wants into these microphones without being challenged. And then because that is the only quotage anyone has from him, these these things that he's said are then broadcast throughout the world because everyone goes, well, you know, we haven't been able to speak to him because he's cancelled his press conference. We have to repeat what he's said on Sky. Uh, and and he's, this has become what I would say an ingrained bad habit with him. So I'm actually, I would say secretly pleased, but I've actually said it, so I'm not secretly pleased. I think it was about time that this behaviour was stamped out because uh, he has been able to say things without accountability and this weekend he crossed the line because he made an absolutely baseless accusation about the competence of the marshals. And the marshals are highly skilled. They're volunteers. They keep the competitors safe. And I think to for the, the boss of a Formula One team to insult that competence, regardless of the pressure they're under, it's elitist and it's baseless. So I, I think, yes, actually, I am pleased he got a slap in the face for it because this this is something that has been coming. He has been able, he's got into the habit of feeling that he can just say what he wants into the sky or whatever microphones and not be challenged on it. And, and I think this is a slap in the face that... Um, is a long time coming and probably due for Helmut Marco as well, who described the FIA as incompetent. So we'll, we'll see what special punishment they have uh, in store for him soon. So he walked away with a uh, a warning, a caution. Um, and yes, of course, we do have to respect our marshals who do put their lives at risk as well in order to keep our sport and our competitors safe. Let's talk about Fernando Alonso next because it was a great day for him. His first podium since 2014. Codders is cheering. Uh, unfortunately, you can't see that because, of course, it's only a podcast, but he's looking very, very happy. Um, Codders, I'm going to start with you because you just look so excited about this. <laughs> well, uh, as as you well know, one of GP Racing's um, contributors, one, one of our, our great contributors is Andrew Benson, the BBC Sports Chief Formula One writer and, and also uh, Chief Fernando Alonso fanboy. Has anyone checked in on well, him? Well, he he was he was keeping it together in the Christian Horner press conference. Okay. He was there, you know, he wasn't, you know, he hadn't painted his face and, uh, you know, popping the champagne corks but i imagine he was very excited and um yeah you know great great race for fernando and his first podium finish since i, I, I don't know tazio nuvolari was a boy oh no sorry um <laughs> hungary 2014 very different circumstances but what 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 a great and a very ruthless drive um just his his opening few corners that was literally um the, the way he defended his position, certainly against Max, and then went around the outside of of Pierre Gasly to to, to claim, uh, you know, the what was then second place um, in, around turn two, just amazing, and put me in mind of no less an eminence than Charlton Heston when uh, he'd said that they would pry his rifle out of my cold dead hands. You know, he was not going to be parted from that podium position. It was very remarkable. 
I spoke to some of the Alpine team after the race and they said that they were literally like shaking uh, with anxiety over whether those tyres would hold out. What did you think? Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, no, it was a fantastic drive, as, as Coddler said, just a brilliant first lap. And that really set him up well. And yeah, I mean, the Alpine this weekend has just been so hooked up. And even throughout qualifying, I was kind of thinking, crikey, where's this pace come from? And they've been in a really good groove. And yeah, Fernando, I think just, okay, yeah, the penalties helped him a little bit move up the grid. But he just took full advantage of it. And I really did sort of wonder, like, okay, are Alpine going to be able to keep pace with like say yeah, the McLarens the Ferraris Norris and Sainz behind but then yeah it, Alonso had what I think like a nine second buffer or something he built up to Norris quite early on so it was quite clear that he was he was going to top that midfield fight and it was really a question of would Perez or Bottas um, be able to uh, be able to catch him and Bottas obviously had his puncture otherwise yeah he probably would would have got that place and uh, then I think the, the deciding moment though was when Red Bull switched uh, Perez to a two-stop strategy and Perez claim over the radio immediately after he stopped and went I think you made a mistake here like what are you doing and his engineer told him no no don't worry they're going to struggle towards the end and obviously he did take huge chunks of time out and without the VAC yeah I think Checo might have been able to get there but uh, no I think Fernando it was fantastic it was nice hearing him over the radio as well um saying uh I'll tell Esteban he needs to defend like yes. a lion and sort of obviously <laughs> I loved that a role bit. <laughs> reversal from from uh, Hungary when it was uh, Alonso who defended to protect uh Ocon from Hamilton so he could win the race and yeah it was it was uh it was a really cool moment I think that Fernando yeah okay he's been and I'll admit as well I when he announced he was coming back to F1 I was like why like you're not going to be world champion with Alpine you, you said at McLaren through those difficult years well if I'm not winning like I'm not enjoying it why but he has come back and he's really enjoyed himself. And now he's back on the podium and the competitive hunger of him is just absolutely phenomenal. So no, a really, really good drive. Um, I spoke to Checo after the race and obviously he calmed down a little bit and he said, no, I do understand why they did it. And he said that it would have been risky going for the one stop because we stopped so early. Um, Yeah, we could have been in a similar situation with a tyre failure. Uh, And he capped all of it off by saying, but if anyone was going to deny me a podium, I'm really glad it's Fernando because he deserves it. And I thought that's a really nice touch. That is a nice touch. That's a very nice touch. What about Esteban Ocon as well? Because, of course, he came home uh, fifth, I think it was, and it's a solid day for the team as a whole. Oh, hugely, because... Alpine and AlphaTauri went into this weekend tied on points yeah. in that battle for fifth place, which is obviously, I mean, you might think, well, who cares about finishing fifth? But the stakes involved for the uh, for the, the the Constructors' Championship and the prize money involved is massive. And even like talking to team members, uh, I won't say from which of those teams, but I was talking to one of them on uh, Friday and they were sort of saying like, the sort of the bonus money they said between us finishing fifth and sixth is actually like it's a it's a it's a decent amount where it's like oh, i really want us to finish fifth so everyone's invested um but yeah i mean and again that i think is why it kind of compounded things for poor uh, pierre gasly and for the alpha towering team because they came away empty-handed from a weekend where they had a car starting on the front row and yuki had been pretty quick and then alpine much as they did in hungary they seized the moment to quote one of our esteemed colleagues and managed to maximize the opportunity that was given to them and came away with what a, a haul of 25 points which is massive so it does kind of make you think okay is that battle now over like can alpha Tauri fight back with two races to go it's going to be really tough because we've seen alpha Tauri sort of making roads and making roads and recently it was like okay well they are the quicker team it's a matter of time until they do get in front and pull ahead 
And Alpine have just put a complete stop to that now. And a lot of that is down to Fernando Alonso rolling back the years with a brilliant display. Uh, but also another thing, without wishing to ramble on too much longer, he's had fun this weekend. Like he said after qualifying that apparently he told the engineers, he was like, can you just fill it up with as much fuel as you can? And let me just drive it all night. Like I'll drive that track all night. He really, really enjoyed himself. So uh, yeah, really cool story. I, think. I, I really loved um, Ocon's composure you know, having been told you have to do everything you can to stop Perez getting by you, elbows out was the phrase. And then, of course, Perez just drives by him under DRS, and he must have just kind of thought, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm not not going to be able to seize my moment here, am I? Um, yeah. there, there's no <laughs> moment to be seized." Um, but but then, rather than capitulating, he fought back all the way through to um, yeah. just beautiful, and you know, ultimately it it. it it wasn't to be, but the fact that he tried it, I kind of thought, you know, good on you, because that that is basically real racer material. You know, someone passes you, you try and pass them back. You don't just sort of sit there and go, oh well, that's it. Um, so so yeah, thoroughly yeah, thoroughly very, commendable. A very well done to Alpine to both drivers. Um, as you said, Esteban as well, putting on a good show and doing doing what he could um, uh, to support his teammate. I was very impressed with their performance this weekend and happy to see uh, see the progress they've made. Of course, as we've touched on already, AlphaTauri, on the other hand, not not a good a good day so much. What do you think that means for the battle between them two in the constructors? Um, because we've only got two races left and it's, it's all swings and roundabouts in this season. But what do you reckon for the remaining two, Luke? Honestly, I, I think it's over. I think barring like a crazy race in Jeddah, which looking at that track layout may be possible, I think it's such a big point swing that, yeah, it's going to take something very big for AlphaTauri to be able to recover that gap. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a bit of a shame. Like it's nice when we sort of go into the final stages of the season and they're sort of like tied on points or neck and neck, particularly in Abu Dhabi. But I just think this has been such a, a knockout blow by, Alpine on a weekend when yeah AlphaTauri came away with with nothing like it's it's going to be really tough I think for them to turn it around so yeah I probably like if I were going to sort of hedge my bets I would say AlphaTauri will probably outscore Alpine in the final two races but by 25 points that's a really big swing so I, I don't see it going that way I don't think. Let's talk about Lance Stroll next because he had a uh, good result today coming back, coming out P6. Codders, what was your opinion on his day and Aston Martin's weekend as a whole? Well, a mixed weekend for Aston Martin because just on, on that opening lap, obviously Sebastian Vettel got pushed wide, I, I think, by, by Bottas. It got very crowded into, into turn one and... Basically, if you pick the outside line, this was the you know eh, eh, bad choice because that's where everyone else went. Um, Lance Stroll, a quietly impressive race, I feel. Um, cut cut from Leclerc cloth, actually. We've talked about Charles Leclerc having uh, unobtrusively brilliant drives uh, for the past few races. Um, Lance did a good first lap. Um, got got by Bottas, put himself into a position to score good points. Then. Undercut science later, which I, I think we should register. Possibly helped by science not actually hearing his cue to to pit on time, but also that that then gained in position. So 
although you know you didn't necessarily see him doing lots of rumbunctious overtaking maneuvers when he did um he did it very well there, there was quite a scary moment actually early on between him and Sonoda and and Bottas where if if Lance had gone right instead of left while overtaking Sonoda then you know they would still be picking up the pieces now and um fortunately either he decided to go left or he saw Bottas coming to the right and decided not to so I think yeah great great racecraft throughout from Lance and I, I know I don't say it very often but yeah he he will I'm sure he'll be featuring highly in our absent colleague Alex Kalinorkas's, um driver ratings. <laughs> Good shout out for those driver ratings. Make sure you keep an eye out for them. Uh, let's talk McLaren and Ferrari next. McLaren not really a good day for them. Um, two points for Lando and Daniel Ricciardo. Really disappointing day. Way behind Lando, despite the fact that you know he Norris had the puncture as well. Um, I mean, what is this sudden, well, sudden as such downturn for for the team, Luke? I mean, at the start of the season, we were so often singing their praises more so Lando's as Daniel was still getting to grips with the car but it seems that it's just sort of slipping away now and like that battle between Alpine and Alpha Tauri uh the battle with Ferrari for third is sort of slipping away from them as well yeah it does look that way now and it's it's a shame because I think that was shaping up to be sort of the big yeah. um yeah one of the big sort of constructors fights as we go went into into the final uh sort of uh, final knockings of the season but yeah I mean the gap is wow I, I've just looked it up it is let me do some quick maths uh 39 and a half points that is a big old gap like from McLaren's Triumph bridge in in these final two races um I think today it's not it's not really fit with the narrative of lately where Ferrari have just been a, a decent step ahead of McLaren. Like actually, today, McLaren, I think, had a, they had a good sort of edge on Ferrari. Um, Norris, yeah, he would have been top five had it not been for the puncture. And I think that would have been a, a good statement to make. Uh, Ricardo was struggling with a, a fuel issue that meant he basically had to save pretty much from, from lap one, I think he said. So it's uh, that meant he couldn't really do much. And obviously, he was, yeah, sort of marooned out of the points, basically. Um, it also comes in a week when, yeah, Ferrari one as as quick as they thought they would be after friday both science and leclerc were like yeah we're, we're feeling pretty good this weekend actually looking at the the comparisons with mclaren like that's our goal to beat them and then qualifying came and obviously leclerc had his uh chassis issue that that meant he was pretty much pretty lost throughout the session and dropped out in q2 and then in the race yeah i mean science obviously had that had that a decent start had that fight with Norris uh, as Cotter said yeah missed his pit call uh, because of uh, a radio issue that meant that he, he got um undercut by Stroll but uh yeah I think Ferrari they're coming away sort of yeah seventh and eighth I don't think they can be particularly delighted with that performance I don't think they've been particularly good this weekend but the fact that they've just pulled that little bit further away from McLaren because McLaren only came up with two points I think that yeah they, they they'll um they'll, they'll definitely take that and I think that for McLaren yeah I mean I like it was all I think after Ferrari made the progress they did recently I think it was always going to be tricky for them to be able to cling on to P3 but it is a weekend like this where you're like okay yeah there was the chance there and okay it's down to yeah a puncture that ultimately you, you didn't sort of reduce that gap a little bit um but yeah I think that again that fight 
pretty much looks good good as over i think ferrari yeah if they pull what another sort of five points clear in Jeddah, then it's settled when we get to abu dhabi which would be a shame because it was a really good fight shaping up but i think mclaren it's just sort of yeah pieced out a little bit and they'll uh yeah be hoping to uh go again next season i believe yeah yeah we, we go again is the phrase isn't we it? we go again yeah. that's and it's always that you always fly to f1 on a wednesday and everyone in the paddock they put on their instagram hashtag we go again picture of the plane window or a passport <laughs> i'm gonna do that I myself for probably guilty of it yeah keep do an it, eye out <laughs> shall i shall i do one out of my home office window going oh here again we go again <laughs> yes yes but yeah the the andreas seidel uh, you know mclaren team principal his press conference was 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 weird interesting and 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 weird you know he's 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 very always very guarded and diplomatic he's he's not he's the polar opposite of christian horner in many ways he he doesn't do these sort of showy um seeding of, of of sound bites he's always very careful what he says but he he did he did allude to this this there having been a very very bruising triple header you know you look at the numbers i think you know mclaren have scored four points in this triple header ferrari wow. 37 uh, and that's been the big swing that's a good start uh, and, and that's what's done it. And, and also this this race, it was trying to get blood out of a stone, trying to work out what the story behind McLaren's race was, because you know we had Ricardo talking about this fuel problem where his readout was telling him to save fuel from the beginning, um, and then all of a sudden he was told he could push. Um, he did say you know he had a problem at the start where there was there was so much clutter around him that he couldn't actually see where his breaking point was so he lifted off too early and lost a a bunch of positions there and then because of the because of the extreme fuel saving he was being told to do um he he was driving so slowly that his tires got cold so he was losing more performance because of that so he was saying he felt like he was shipping up to two seconds a lap at some points so that's that's basically the the long and the short of why he ended up uh, outside the top 10 Obviously, we know that Lando had the problem with the tyre, but he also alluded to uh, a mistake the team made in terms of the pace or something like that. He was he was very, very oblique about it, but it seemed to be something to do with either fuel management or tyre saving. And when asked about that, Andreas Seidel was even more cagey. He talked about the variables. I'm kind of wondering if when they talk about variables, they're talking about how much fuel they start off with in the car, how hard they expect to push, and how that plays off against how long they expect the tyres to last. And I wonder if McLaren maybe got that balance slightly wrong in in terms of maybe they didn't put maybe they didn't have enough fuel on board certainly he wasn't commenting about how much fuel they started with it it could just be they underestimated how hard and fast they would be able to run or how hard and fast they would have to go in order to be competitive because Lando said you know we should have been p4 or p5 and p3 would have been within reach, obviously, notwithstanding uh, Fernando Alonso occupying that position and being a very difficult man to pass. So for, for Lando to say, you know, P3 would have been on was was quite a statement. Obviously, Andreas Seidel rode back on that and said, well, you know, you, you were speaking to him straight after the race and he was disappointed. So he might have said some things he didn't mean. But I, I th- there were things that we weren't told and that they're keeping to themselves. And I, th- I think maybe McLaren, probably with their slide rules or their supercomputers, got, got a few sliders wrong. 
in their calculations. We are drawing to the end of our podcast, which means it is time, Luke, for your uh, star show of running down the remaining uh Drivers that we haven't touched on. We have actually got through quite a chunk of them, to be fair. So there's only hmm. there's only a handful, really, that we haven't touched on. Um, That's not too bad. So take it away. So we've done everyone up to, what, ninth? He was Lando Norris. Uh, Vettel, yeah. Vettel went from 10th to 17th to 10th. He had a, a terrible first lap, but managed to yeah claw his way back up quite nicely. Obviously, the, yeah, the punctures did play into his favor but all weekend like he felt pretty good with how the aston martin was performing so i think that yeah that shone through in the race so he was able to to number point um gasly we spoke about in 11th yeah really disappointed post-race said clearly something sort of up with the car basically uh something that yuki Tsunoda said as well he finished 13th and again he had a he had he was up in the obviously started in the top 10 and was looking pretty good um uh for for a good day because yeah he's needed i think this confidence boost and he sort of said like yeah it was nothing that he could do and he said like oh i kind of like i know what happened but i can't really say yet and then alluded to sort of a, a lack of downforce so it seems like a similar thing to what gasly was struggling with uh between them was ricardo in 12th who we've touched upon uh Kimi Raikkonen 14th uh I didn't actually speak to him post race but he was uh yeah I think Alpha all weekend have been pretty they've been struggling like they've been in this fight with Williams I think both teams have kind of looked on the back foot but um yeah he, he managed to get P14 Giovinazzi 15th uh yeah he he just said I'm just sort of kind of said like it's glad it's over like he said it was a a, a tough race that Alpha all weekend from FP1 have been uh, in a difficult point. Um, he's got his first Formula E test with uh, Dragon coming up on next weekend, so in the off break uh, before Jeddah. So he said he's looking forward to that. Uh, Mick Schumacher in 16th. Uh, yeah, he had a pretty pretty straightforward uh, race for Haas. Um, Russell, 17th, two laps down after his puncture. Uh, yeah, again, Williams, sort of that's, that, that's kind of where they... He would have been a step ahead of uh, Latifi, obviously, was hit with the puncture as well. Um, yeah, both of them said they were sort of in that fight with the Alphas all weekend long. They weren't uh, a step ahead. And then uh, Nikita Mazepin, uh, he last classified finisher in 18th. Yeah, Cod, as you mentioned him earlier, sort of seeing what his pace was. Um, and Mazepin sort of explained, like, ultimately he had so little practice running and he went into the race like not really knowing what to expect with the heavier chassis as well so he said he basically treated it as 55 qualifying laps and he said he was actually quite pleased by his own personal progress through the race that he was able to find time and find time and find time um yeah so he, he kind of said like i don't know when sort of i'm going to get the uh the, the the better chassis back when that's going to be sorted he hoped for abu dhabi but he kind of said look it's he, he did use some very colorful sort of like explaining of basically saying my car's too fat which was which was quite funny but um yeah uh he's fat shaming his car fat shaming the (laughs) hearts i don't know uh yeah but that's that's all the classified finishes yeah latifi and bossas obviously both retired late on due to their punctures um yeah that's about it i'll tell you if you actually want to be properly terrified don't watch a scary movie watch the onboards of the Hass on a circuit with lots of fast corners i mean slightly less so mazjepin but uh you know to 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 to, to quote the, the the great Nigel Roebuck, ye gods, you look at Mick Schumacher's onboards, and there's someone who's just basically holding on for dear life while he's pushing that car. It is evil. Before we wrap this up, who was your driver of the day? Uh, Luke, you go first. Uh, I'd like to give it to Fernando Alonso. 
But Lewis Hamilton, I thought he was just on another level today. Uh, yeah, 25 points for the win. The momentum is really with him right now. Tyson Wolf said after the race that he's unlocked these sort of superhero powers was the exact words he used. He said what happened uh, in Brazil last weekend in qualifying, that really sort of put Lewis, uh, yeah, threw some adversity at him, which is when he really sort of brings out his best. He called him brutal cold-blooded which i thought was very very sort of like yeah that's really telling of where lewis is right now he's uh yeah just in such good form so lewis hamilton my driver of the day Cotters. yeah uh i second that i'm i i, I hesitate to use the phrase another level because of course that's the name of a 90s 2000s boy band with whose vocalist was the dj at streatham ice arena so i, I won't say another level what i will say just brilliant racecraft and i i think basically i've i've said it before i'll say it again whichever of the two drivers who are in contention for the world championship wins it will have thoroughly deserved it because Absolutely. each one of them has done brilliant drives throughout the season and this is this is one such by lewis hamilton just genuinely clinical and you look at the difference between him and his teammate i think what 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 marks lewis out from valtteri bottas is 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 not just the the speed and the class whatever it, it's just basically being away from everything he's just in a different league and stuff doesn't happen to him generally because he's just out there and it it really is remarkable and you just look at that and you think okay well you know he qualified on pole position and led the race and and won. So what's remarkable about that? But he he just he he laid the conditions out that he was unchallengeable, and I think that's that's the mark of a true champion. Thank you both very very much for joining me. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you both. Thank you, Luke, for the rundown of all the drivers, which was fantastic as always. I know that you're absolutely shattered because it's been a long weekend and it's nearly oh, midnight yes. here. So uh, this is where we will wrap things up. Codders, lovely to have you back on the podcast. Can't wait to speak to you again soon. Thank you to everyone for listening. We have a week off and then we'll be back for the final two races of the 2021 season. So make sure to join us then. Thanks. Well, a huge thanks to today's sponsor for bringing the show to you for free. They are Party Casino, your first choice for sports betting. And of course, Formula One, who will be the winner next time out? Who's your favourite? Who's the outsider? And who might you want to bet on? You can, of course, bet on this year's Drivers' Championship as it goes down to the wire. But not just Formula One. Check out the sports section of Party Casino for the Premier League, Championship, Bundesliga or La Liga, or maybe all about tennis, horse racing or MotoGP. Any one of 39 different sports in Party Casino. And hit the slots with the full Party Casino experience with jackpot slots, the best Vegas games, roulette in the life casino, and of course, blackjack as well. Partycasino.com has now got a safer gambling section on the homepage, so you can play while staying safe, learn how betting works, and manage the time you spend online. So, when you're ready, let's get the party started with 50 free spins on Starburst. How do you do it? You go to autosport.com slash partycasino. In three easy steps, sign up, make a deposit of 10 quid and enjoy 50 free spins. That's autosport.com slash partycasino. Open to UK residents over 18 years old. Read full terms and conditions at partycasino.com and please gamble responsibly. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.